Good morning, everybody. It's good to be back with you. Uh, man, I missed you guys last week. Um, y'all need to just, you need to grab your bulletins, and uh, I'm not going to go through everything. We're kind of low, but uh, talk with each other, call somebody this week, and, uh, and reach out. Let's uh, see where everybody's at. It looks like we're a little low this morning. But we want y'all to stay informed. We want you to stay in touch. So keep keep in touch with us. Talk to each other. Look at your bulletins. One thing I do want to mention is this Wednesday um, is our leadership team uh, meeting. So for those, I mean, we've had some some Sunday school training and stuff. We're going to try to just approach this and, and really capture all of our leadership. We want to build you up. And we want to strengthen you and disciple you at a level that just matches the Lord's calling. So um, if your leadership, anything, all of our leaders, uh, leaders of any committees, anything, I'm sure you've already been reached out to and, and spoken with, but this Wednesday we're going to be meeting here at the church, and, and, and that's going to be a time of, of our, uh, you know, just corporate discipleship for the, our, our leaders here in the church. Um, so that's one one area of focus, um, and, and again, there's a lot still going on within the church. We've got fall festivals coming up. Our ministries are strong with the crossroads. Um, there's uh, just a lot going on. I want you to be in prayer, and I want you all to, to just to enjoy that unity with us and stay stay in touch. And sometimes that's hard for me, um, you know, being in and out. This morning I'm going to read um, from Romans chapter 12. If y'all want to join me there this morning and get us started with a word from the Lord. Romans chapter 12, and I'm just going to read verses 3 through 8. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them if prophecy in, propor in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This has a lot of uh, individual prescriptions, but all in unity. This morning we're going to do something a little bit different, though. As we pray, we pray for this, uh, you know, our, our giftedness. As we pray for our unity, we're going to bring into that Wayne. I'm going to ask uh, Brother Wayne Craig to come come up and... Uh, and, and I want to invite anybody in the congregation, if y'all want to come up and gather around uh, Wayne, he's having, uh, his test results are coming back. So his test results are coming back in Wednesday about his cancer. We've been praying for Wayne and, uh, and all that the Lord's doing. And we just want to pray. We want to pray over him. We want to pray for healing. We want to pray for guidance, instruction for the doctors. And, and even the miraculous. So I do, I want to invite you guys, anybody that wants to come up, we're going to have a moment of prayer for our service and especially 
over our brother this morning uh, that we've been praying for. So y'all just come on up. I'll give y'all a minute. You go ahead and join us. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. Lord, we come to you in a fellowship and in unity by your grace. Father, it's from you that we receive our faith, that we receive our calling, our leadership, our ministry. Lord, we receive all of this from you. It's from you that we receive healing. Lord, this morning, as, as we begin to, to look at, at each one of our roles, Father, we want you to just guide us, be with us, meet with us this morning in this very moment, Lord, in the one role that all of us share in, in, in bearing one another's burdens. Lord, in lifting up our brother in, in prayer. Lord, we do that for our brother Wayne this morning. He's had a long walk. Their family's had a long walk. They've dealt with cancer in a number of, of their loved ones. Even this morning, uh, Maggie is, is sick at home and she's not with us. Lord, we lift her up. And Lord, we lift Wayne up. We ask that you guard that entire family. Lord, we pray for the miraculous. If it's your will, Lord, that we would see one healed this morning by your hand, Father. Lord, that you would guard their hearts from anxiety. Lord, that they would come to the joyful hope that is in Jesus Christ and find peace. Lord, this is where it gets real. This is where our fellowship takes effect, Father, is in handling, handling the suffering, but, but meeting it with the gospel. And so, Lord, we, just, we pray. We pray that these results would come back, that they would be good, that we would see progress in a very physical way. But, Lord, that we would only hope for that as it, as it bears testimony to the faithfulness of your church, to the faithfulness of Wayne and Maggie, and to the faithfulness we have to your word and to the peace that you give. And, Lord, to the eternal peace that will come in Jesus Christ. Lord, not that we try to avoid any temporal suffering, but Lord, that we would come together and experience unity. That Wayne and Maggie and, and, and their family would experience uh, uh, unity, that they would experience love, that they would experience um, just a, a togetherness as we bear their burden. Lord, we just want, we pray that you would, that you would heal them. And Lord, that this morning we would experience you. We would experience your presence and your spirit. And we would experience you and your word. Lord, And in this time of worship, Father, we just we lift our hearts to you. And we want to entrust ourselves to you fully. Only in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, as we continue to pray. I ask that you guide our prayers. You guide all that we do. Guide the rest of this service. Glorify yourself. Glorify yourself in our strength, in our weakness, in our health, in our sickness, in our wealth, in our poverty. Lord, glorify yourself this morning. We ask all of this in the name of our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ.
have our ushers come forward at this time for our time of offering. As they're coming, just to remind you, uh, in the bulletin it talks about it, but we've got a uh, table set up in the back. We're selling shirts with our, our logo on there. And uh, the youth are kind of facilitating that, but we're actually going to give the proceeds of that to Josh Hutchins. Uh, they're in need of Bibles for these churches that he's ministering to. And so he's asking for, for money to, to purchase Bibles. Uh, so if you, you buy a shirt, uh, you get a cool looking shirt and you get to help spread uh, uh, the gospel. So pray with me today. Lord, we, we come to you and we thank you, Lord, that you are our rock. You are our refuge. Lord, as we go through trials, as we go through doubts, Lord, we thank you that we can come to you, that we can find safety and security in you and your name and your power. Lord, I pray for those this morning that, that are coming here, Lord, not with a heart of celebration and, and not with joy in their hearts, but they're coming weighed down with trouble. They're coming weighed down with trials. They're coming weighed down with financial problems or uh, difficulties in their family or disappointments in, in their job. Lord, I pray that they would find comfort and hope in you this morning. God, I pray for us as we give this morning. Lord, I pray that you would open the hearts of your people to be generous. Lord, keep us from being distracted and, and not giving joyfully as we ought. Help us, Lord, that we might be able to flourish and support more missionaries and and do more in terms of taking the gospel around the world. And Lord, we know that that comes as your people are generous. And so we pray for that, that gift of grace. Uh, be with us in every facet of the service this morning that you might be pleased and glorified in all that is said and done. We pray it in Christ's name. While they're making their way out, if you would just go ahead and take your Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Really going to just be focusing on a couple verses, and we're going to come back and kind of make another pass at the end of this passage uh, this uh, next week, because uh, there's a lot to kind of, a lot of truth here to mine, a lot of things to get to, and we won't be able to get to it all this morning. So I'd like, though, to start just at verse 1 so that we get the flow of the, the thought that's going on here. We looked at these verses last week. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 1. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one, at, each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one also who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, 
the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all maintain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Well, this morning, if you've been with us over the past few weeks, uh, you know that Paul has been arguing and showing us our unity in Jesus Christ, our unity as the church, as the body of Christ. We've seen that. Uh, all the people of God are united, Jews and Gentiles, black and white, rich and poor. All of us are united in Christ. And that was the great doctrine of our unity that he looked at in, in Ephesians chapter 2. And then in chapter 3, after giving us sort of the doctrine of our unity, Paul talks about his specific role in that, how that God had revealed this to him, how a, a great mystery that had been hidden in ages past had now been revealed, and the Apostle Paul played a central role in being the one to unveil that, to make that known. And we see verse number 6 of chapter 3, the mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and co-partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So God is uniting all of his people, all of humanity really, in the church, in the body of Christ, in the family of God, in the temple. And Paul's saying, I have a particular role to play in that. And then at the end of chapter 3, because of this and because of his role, he, he begins to pray a prayer. He prays that God would be glorified in the church. And the way that God would be glorified in the church is when the church is experiencing the love of Christ, when they are walking in that maturity and that perfection that comes uh, through our unity. And so that's his prayer for unity at the end of chapter 3. And then in chapter 4, after having told us this doctrine of our unity, after having prayed for our unity and showing us his role in making this known to the nations, Paul then exhorts us to, to play our part in it. He's saying the Spirit has created this unity. Christ has brought us objectively into this one body in which we walk and in which we share unity in Christ. But he, he commands us, so because of that then, don't do anything to mess it up. It's not up to you to create the unity. You don't have to be the one to make unity happen. Christ does that. The Spirit within us does that, he says. But listen, you need to make sure that you walk in a manner, you see this in verse number one, walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with humility and gentleness and patience and so on. And he says, be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. So the Spirit has created this unity. Now you be eager to maintain it with, with zeal, with great passion. Work very hard to make sure that you don't act in any way that would disrupt the unity of the body of Christ. And then we looked at last week 
how there are some tangible realities that make that unity actually happen. The fact that we're part of one body. The fact that we have one hope. The fact that we all have one Lord, that there's one Spirit who's dwelling in us. The fact that we all have one baptism that represents this, this work that's occurred in our life in which we've died to sin and been raised with Christ. The fact that we have one Father who's your Father if you're a Christian and He's my Father. Those tangible realities actually affect unity. They, they bring the unity about. And so uh, we saw that last week. There's a bit of a, a shift now that's going to occur in what we're looking at this morning. We've been talking about unity, unity, unity. And it's only at this point now that the Apostle uh, Paul is going to shift and he's going to talk about some individuality. So far, all of this has been, been about us corporately, us collectively, us as the body of Christ, the, the family of God and so on. But now you see in verse 7, there's a contrast, don't you? But grace was given to each one according to the measure of Christ's gift. So there's some individuality that's going on in that. We're all one body, we're all one family and so on, but there is individual grace that has been given to you. And that's the theme of our, what we're going to look at this morning. So we're dealing with now diversity rather than unity. There, there's unity, but within that unity of the body of Christ, there is diversity. Much like we talked about with the God that we serve. He is a triune God. There is unity. There is one God. And yet there are three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's diversity in unity. And so it is with us as the body of Christ. There is great unity in the gospel. But there is diversity in the gifts that have been given. You know what we're going to see, especially next week as we get to it, that even our diversity and the way that we're gifted, even the things that are unique about us as individuals, even those things uh, work to bring about our unity, ultimately. And we'll see, see more about that last week. So, the main point of the text that we're looking at this morning uh, is that this, you have been, you, all of you, I mean you Christians, you who are believers in Christ, you have been individually gifted and equipped by the risen Christ to do the work of ministry which will result in maturity and a unified church. It will result in a unified and mature church. Now, that's what we want to focus on. The first thing that we see is the particularity of your gift. The particularity of your gift. Your gift is unique to, to you. So look at verse number 7. But grace was given to each one of us. So unity, unity, unity. Now in verse 7, but there's a contrast. Grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And so he measures it out. He portions it out. He gives unique gifts to one group and he gives other kinds of gifts to another, and even among the gifts that he gives, he gives in different proportions. They're not all equally given. There are various kinds and various amounts of gifting that are given by Christ in, in the body of Christ. Now, he says grace was given. You know, when we as Christians use the word grace, sometimes we just mean it in kind of a nondescript, it's kind of a general category. Any good thing that God does for us, we say that's grace, that's God's grace. But there's always 
there's always some specifics to that grace. There's specificity to the grace that God gives. In other words, when God gives grace, he gives it in certain ways. God's grace to you may be in the forgiveness of your sins. That's grace, but it's a, it's a, a kind of grace. Or it may be, as we prayed for Wayne this morning, healing or health. That's another kind of grace. So we've got to ask ourselves, what is this grace that is given? And we see in the context that it is this gift, the measure of Christ's gift, which we know from this passage and from other uh, epistles of, the, of Paul, when he talks about gifts, he's talking about these, these divine enablements, this help that God gives us to do certain activities that we wouldn't be able to do otherwise. They're gifts, they're talents that God has given to us. They are, one person said it this way, they are special capacities for service granted to those who are in Christ. And that's what we are talking about, divine enablements. Now, we notice that this gift is from Christ. It is Christ's gift. It is what Christ has given to us as his followers, as his church, as, as his body. It is Christ's gift. And we notice what Paul is saying here is that these gifts came to us as a result of the resurrection and the ascension. That's, that's where he's quoting here Psalm 68, verse number 18. He says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And so the picture is of a victorious king, if you can get that in your mind, who has conquered the enemies. And in that day and time, when you conquered the enemies, you got the spoil of victory. Whatever they had, now it became yours. And so a, a king who is victorious is riding back and, and he's receiving all of the spoil from, from the battle. And that's the picture that is given here. That Christ, when he resurrected from the grave, he was victorious and he was taking spoils as a, as a divine king who, who is victorious over his enemies. But now Paul kind of slightly changes what is said here from Psalm 68, 18, because there it says that he receives gifts from men, but says, Christ says, that's, or, or Paul says, that's Christ, but what Christ is doing now is he's pouring out those gifts. He's sharing the spoils of his victory. And so the, the resurrection and the ascension is sort of the source of these gifts that are now poured out on the church. In verse number nine, you might read that as I did for a long time and seem confused. And what is this talking about? In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. What is he talking about there? This ascended and descended. What's, what's going on with that? Well, Paul is showing us, hey, this psalm all the way you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, Psalm 68, 18 is written before Christ, uh, but before Jesus even came on the scene. Here's this psalm, and David in that psalm is clearly talking about God. He's talking about God the Father. He's, he's ascended, he's given gifts to men, but how, how can Paul now, what kind of liberty is he taking with the Old Testament to say that verse in Psalm 68, 18 is actually talking about Jesus Christ when he resurrected and ascended into heaven. Why would he apply it to Christ? And so Paul is just showing us why this applies to Christ. And why does it apply to Christ? It applies to Christ because we've got to stop and think, how is it that God 
how is it that God would ever ascend? If God is supreme, if God is already at the ultimate place of authority, he's already in this ultimate position, in what way could God ever ascend? If, in other words, if you get up to the pinnacle, if you get to the very top of everything, you can't go any further. And so it implies, does it not, the fact that, that God here is said to be ascending, doesn't it apply, imply then that he has already descended? And we have to ask the question, then, when did God descend? When did God ever step down from his position of authority and glory so that later on he could then ascend to this position of authority and glory? And we know the answer from the New Testament. It is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who descended in the incarnation. He took on humanity. He descended. He, he left this position of glory and of power, and he came to live here as a human being. He was laid in a manger. He, he lived here for 33 years. He was crucified, and he resurrected, and he ascended back into glory. And now, as the ascended Lord, he's pouring out all the spoils of victory onto his church. He's giving gifts to his people so that they can use them in an effective way to serve within the body of Christ. That's what Paul is teaching here. He's arguing that this, this psalm finds its ultimate fulfillment in Jesus, the Son of God who ascended, poured out upon the church the spoils of his victory. He gave these gifts, these divine enablements to each and every one of his people. And here comes sort of that particularity. If you're here this morning and you are a believer and you are a Christian, guess what? Christ has poured out a gift, at least one gift. He has poured out his gifts upon you. Every one of you as a believer has received a gift from our risen Savior to each and every one of us, that's, that's really what, what we get, but to, grace was given to each one. Every individual believer has been given one of these, what we might call grace gifts. It, you have been given a gift from the risen Christ. And not only that, but Christ's gift is unique to you. It's a gift that is, is given to you in particular, and it's, it's unique to to believers, all of us have various kinds of gifts to, to use uh, in, in service. Again, we have that contrast here. There's one, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father, but grace was given to each of us in a particular way, and you see that as well, according to the measure of Christ's gift. So there's a measuring that's going on here. We all have the same Lord. We all have the same uh, baptism. We all have the same faith. We, have, we all have the one God and Father over all and through all and in all. That's all the same. There, there's unity in that. There's no diversity in those things. There's one of those things. And yet, as it, it comes to service, each one of us has been given a unique gift from the risen Christ. It's unique in kind. In other words, we have different kinds of gifts. So in verse 11, he gave apostles and prophets. He gave teachers and pastors and evangelists. And that's not an exhaustive list. Paul's not saying that those are the only kinds of gifts that are given to church. But uh, you see in Corinthians and you see in Romans and you see in 1 Peter that whenever gifts are mentioned, uh, the, the list of gifts that are mentioned, they vary. 
And so what Paul is doing here is just giving examples of some of the kinds of gifts that are given to, to the church. But there are all kinds of gifts. There are, there's a gift of generosity and hospitality and teaching and so on. There, there are various kinds of gifts. And all of us have received something. All of us have received a gift to be used. But not only does it vary in kind of gift, but it also varies in the, the measure of gift. So each one according to the measure of Christ given. Uh, one person says it this way, this conveys that Christ not only gives each believer a gift, but he also determines the amount of the gift. So for example, I'll use myself. Uh, preachers all have the gift of pastoring. They all, they all have the gift of preaching, but not all of them have it equally. So you, you might be listening to me and th you might be thinking, man, I wish that that person I listen to on the radio or that person that I see on television, I wish Brother Andrew had the gift of preaching like that person. And uh, the sad reality is that, that Christ does not give that gift equally to all. And so you're stuck with me with the level of gifting that I have. And uh, that might be just one of the ways that the Lord has brought suffering into your life and, and he's teaching you to be patient and so on. And so God gives us unique gifts, but he gives us all different measures of that gift as well. You know, everywhere that you look, when, when the Apostle Paul or even Peter talks about gifts given to the church, he always talks about the fact that they're unique and the fact that they're proportioned differently. So you could read in Romans chapter 12, verse 4, for as one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. We all have different gifts. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Okay? So it doesn't matter what gift you've been given. Seek to determine what is it that I've been given. Seek to determine what is it, what way has Christ blessed me that I'm, I'm able to ser serve in this particular way. Figure out what that is and then use it to serve. And don't say, well, because, you know, I'm not the pastor or because I'm not a deacon or because I'm not a teacher that I don't really serve. No, every one of you, each one of you has been poured out the grace of Christ in your life that you would have a gift and you need to determine what that is and you need to use it. First Corinthians 12, Paul deals with this at length. He says there are varieties of gifts. First uh, Corinthians 12, 4, there are varieties of gifts but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. Do you see there? There's the unity and diversity again. There's one faith, there's one Lord, but there are varieties of service. There are varieties of gifts. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. If you are here this morning, don't say, well, I'm not gifted in any way. No, you have been given a gift. To each is given a gift. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing, by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to, distinct, to distinguish between spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions, there's that word again, apportions to each one 
individually as he wills. The book of 1 Peter, Paul, or Peter rather, obviously, in the book of 1 Peter, that would be Peter, uh, talks about God's varied grace. And that word there, varied, is a word that really almost means multicolored. There's, there's multi, a multicolored display of God's grace in the body, in, in the church. And that's everywhere. Now, let me just kind of touch on an application point here. You know, if it is the grace of God, uh, then Christ is n under no obligation to give each one of us the same gift or the same amount of gift. And we need to be careful. I think that says a couple things to us. One, there should be a, no sense of superiority because of gifting. Uh, and Paul teaches this clearly in 1 Corinthians 12, 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. There should be no sense of superiority. Well, I'm the pastor, right? I preach and I teach. And so, of course, I'm more important than other people in the body of Christ. No. And that, that's universally true across the board. It doesn't matter how gifted you are or how prominent your gifts are. That doesn't matter. There, there should be no sense of superiority. Why? Because it's a gift of grace. It's as Paul said, if, if it's of grace, then there can be no boasting about it. If it's a gift, we, we can't boast. I'm better than someone else. It's the only thing that distinguishes between any of us is the grace of God. And so there can be no boasting. We, almost, we, we also might say this, there should be no jealousy among believers. There, there should be no superiority, but then there should be no, no jealousy. We shouldn't look on others and think, man, look how gifted they are. I, I struggle with this every week when Daniel gets up and plays the guitar and sings, and I think, man, I wish I could do that. But, but we need to be careful that it doesn't go beyond uh, simply recognizing how gifted someone is to the, to the point of sort of jealousy, either their position or, or the ter in terms of how gifted they are. And I've got to be honest with you, uh, this is a struggle that, that pastors deal with. As we look around and you think, well, I'm pastoring 100 people and I've just got this gifting. And then you look around and, man, there are these pastors that are more gifted and they're pastoring bigger churches. But you know what, what's happening? I'm pastoring a church of 100. And man, I, I know this guy, he's pastoring 300. And look how gifted he is and, and the abilities that God has given him. But you know what's going on with that person? They're thinking the same thing. Man, 300. I, and, and God's given me this gift. Look at these people that are, you know, pastoring 1,000. And, and we just got to be careful, whether pastors or, or not, that we don't become jealous about the gifts that God gives to other people. We ought to celebrate those things. You remember the parable of the laborers, don't you, in Matthew uh, chapter 20, where uh, at the end of the day, they had all been working different amounts of hours. But the master had said, I'll give the ones who started at the beginning of the day, I'll give you a, a penny, a, a day's wage for your labor. And so they come to the end and they're disgruntled because he gave the ones who had only worked one hour, he gave them the same amount that he gave those who had been working all day which he had agreed with them up front. And this is what is said at the end of that parable. It says this, Take what belongs to you and go. I chose to give to this last worker as I gave to you. And here are two, I think, piercing questions. And I think they apply to this, to this situation when we think about gifting. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, 
and the first last. Listen, we should never be jealous of the gifts of others. It is Christ's ability. It, it, they belong to him. They are his gifts that he is giving, and he's free to do as he pleases. And if he, ple if he pleases to give another pastor or another teacher or another Sunday school teacher or another deacon or, or someone else in, who serves in that church, if he determines to bless them in a unique way, in a greater way than he blesses you, th then we have no right to, to be jealous or to grumble against God. So we need to be careful about that. We could think of examples even among the apostles, uh, examples of the way that God uniquely gave grace to some. You know, there are 12 apostles. Of course, Judas denied Christ, but so there's 11 left. But, but among those 11, there were three that Jesus chose to be sort of his inner circle. And, and he took those three, Peter, James, and John, up on the Mount of Transfiguration. He uniquely blessed those three. But even beyond that, think about later in church history, the Apostle Paul comes along. Now, just imagine you're one of the 11. You were there with Jesus from the beginning, and now God allows the Apostle Paul to write half the New Testament, over half of the New Testament. And he allows and gives Paul this place of prominence in spreading the gospel. Why did God do that? Why didn't, why didn't Paul, why didn't the Lord let Peter lead more? Or why didn't he let John write more of the New Testament? Or why didn't they, they he, he give them a greater place of prominence? Uh, prominence in uh, spreading the gospel. Why is it that he gave it to Paul? Well, that's, that's the Lord's decision. He's sovereign. He's free to do as he chooses in terms of who he gives uh, that grace to. And so we need to be careful in that. We, we don't need to think, well, because I don't, I don't have important gifts, I'm not a preacher or whatever, that that, that, that kind of frees you from having uh, to serve. We see then the particularity of our gift. Secondly, and I wanted to focus mostly on that, so we'll go through these quickly. The second thing is the preparation of your gifts. So we see this in, in verse number 10. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. Why does, why does the Lord, why does Paul here mention these particular gifts that are given? Well, we see that these people are said to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So if you're here this morning, not only have you been given a gift by God, and he's, he's given you that gift, Christ has poured that gift out on you so that you can serve, so that you can minister, not only has he done that, but he's also put people in your life to equip you and to train you and to prepare you to use that gift for the work of ministry. And I think that's why he's noting here these people in, in particular, apostles and prophets, pastors and teachers. We know later or earlier in Ephesians, he says that the church was built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets it is through the message of the apostles that we know what Christianity is. It is through uh, their, their writings and their teachings that we know who Christ is. And, and it is in that way then that they have sort of served as a foundational role to prepare us, to equip us for the work of ministry. 
How, how are you going to do ministry? How are you going to use your gift in obedience to serve the body of Christ? Well, you're going to open up the Bible and you're going to be instructed from the New Testament about how to use that gift. And so there is this foundation of apostles and prophets. But there's also pastors and teachers and evangelists. Evangelist is a word I think that uh, really just means what we would think of today in, in modern terms as missionaries. These are people who are going and taking the gospel out. And so they, they are the ones who have brought you the gospel. And then pastors and teachers are really, I think, just one office there. Those are those who are opening up the word of God and giving instruction from the Bible to prepare you and to equip you. And so God doesn't just say, okay, here's these gifts. Christ doesn't just say, here's a gift of music, or here's a gift of service, or here's a gift of hospitality. Now just go serve without any training. No, what he does is he's put people in your life, first in a foundational way, the apostles and prophets who give us the New Testament. Later on, teachers and pastors and evangelists who, who teach us the word of God. And these equip us so that now we're ready to go. Now we're ready to go out and serve. So if you're here this morning and you are a believer, you're, you're receiving equipping right now. This is training time right now. You have been gifted and you have been equipped to do ministry. So there are no excuses. All of us ought to think of ourselves as ministers. That leads us really to, to the third thing, and that is the purpose of your gift. The purpose of your gift. Look at verse number 12, and I want you to think quickly with me in verse number 12. Who is it who's doing the work of ministry? Who are the people who are doing ministry? Let's back up and read verse 11 again. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, or pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So in that verse, who is it that's doing ministry? You know, in ancient times, after the church started to develop, there, were, there became sort of a bifurcation of, of ministry. You know, we, we had priests and we had, we had pastors, the, the people who are in, in the ministry. And the rest of us, we're just the people of God. And the ministers... They minister to us, and we sort of receive their ministry. We, we sit back. We're the recipients of ministry, but pastors are the ones who do ministry. And unfortunately, we, through the time of the Reformation, that, that, that was turned around, and we talked about the, the sainthood or, or, or the, uh, the priesthood of, of every believer, meaning that every believer is a minister. Every believer is called to do the work of ministry. But unfortunately, in our day, we've slipped away from that tradition. We are back into the mindset of thinking that pastors and deacons, officers in the church, maybe Sunday school teachers, those are the ones who do the ministry. I go to church and I receive the ministry. I'm taught and I'm blessed through the ministry of pastors and teachers. But that's not what this verse is saying, is it? Look again. The, the pastors and shepherds and teachers have been given to equip the saints, that is, believers, to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. So if you're here this morning 
you're a minister. That might sound weird to you. You might think, well, I'm not in a ministry. I'm not a minister. But that's what this text is saying. It is the saints, the Christians, the believers who do the work of ministry. Yes, pastors and shepherds and teachers, they play a foundational role. They play a teaching role, a training role to equip and to prepare you. But it is you who do the work of ministry. You are ministers of the gospel. Every single believer is included in this. No one is excluded. It is not only for leaders of the assembly. And so I think what needs to happen then, not only in our church, this is true in the wider evangelical movement, is, is that we need to have a shift in thinking because by and large, the way that the church is thinking is this. I, I receive ministry. I go to church and they minister to me. And very few people are thinking, I'm a minister. I have been gifted and I have been equipped to do the work of ministry. But that is exactly what this text is teaching here. We need to transform the way that we think from being uh, like a pool. You know, water runs into a pool and it gathers in, in a pool. And that's the way we think about ministry sometimes. You know, all this ministry is happening. It's, it's coming from pastors and deacon, deacons and teachers and it's flowing down and I'm sort of receiving the benefits in my life as sort of like a, a pool. But what we ought to be thinking of ourselves is more like a conduit. The water, the, the blessing of God's Word, the blessings of the Gospel are flowing to me. But I'm not just like a pool. I'm like a conduit and it's flowing to others through me. Any church, listen to this, any church that is going to effectively reach the lost and make an impact for the kingdom of God must be made up of believers who seek, who see their role as ministers. So just quickly by way of application and closing this morning, our, our mission statement is that we exist to glorify God by growing disciples in community. And in that in that statement there, you might think of yourself as the disciple and the pastors here are the ones who are pouring into you to disciple you, to help you to grow uh, so, so that you will grow in, in your walk with Christ. And that is true. That is part of what's going on here. But another way that you need to think about that is that you are the one who is here to disciple other people. You are here not just to receive the benefit of teaching for yourself, but you are here so that as one who has benefited from the ministry of teaching and preaching of the Word of God, that you may then turn and disciple other people. We exist to glorify God by growing disciples. You are the disciple who needs to grow, but you are also the one who needs to think of others and, and, and how you can help them grow in their faith. Every one of us is a minister. We exist to grow disciples in community. And we're going to look at this next week and see the result of all of this, and that is maturity. Uh, Paul says in, in verse 12, he talks about the building up of the body of Christ. It, it's a, a maturity. Verse 13, we all attain the unity of faith and mature manhood. He talks about growing up. It makes the body grow. The body builds itself up in love. So the result of a church that's being fed, that's being equipped, that is gifted by Christ, 
is that now as they begin to do ministry, it builds the church up. The church grows. And I'm not just talking about numerically, although I think that will happen if we're doing what we're called to do. The church will grow numerically, but it's talking about in maturity and in love. The church will be built up not just as the pastors preach and teach and lead, but as all of us begin to see ourselves as ministers to disciple one another. And I think that's what this text is calling us to this morning. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you and we thank you for Christ who descended, who came to this earth to save us through the cross, through his death, burial, and resurrection. We thank you for Christ. We thank you that as he ascended, he poured out on his church, on us, these gifts. And I pray, Lord, that you would help each one of us understand what it is that you've gifted us with and that you would give us a passion to minister to others as we've been gifted and equipped to do. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.